So, she, Paul, you said you had, it, it, I guess I got a text, you had met up with Billy somewhere and seen him Right, right. They got a, um, it's a, a men's group, it's called Dulos. I think it kind of sprung out of uh, some discovery weekends, but they have one one meeting a month, one big meeting at the Way Church right there by Carter's off of Lockhart. Uh-huh. And then uh, they meet, they have a Watson group, a denim group, a central group. It's smaller that meets, I think, uh, the other time. So I went for the first time and, and Billy was there. Uh, I hadn't seen him in a long time. So we just talked a little while, but it's just a bunch of different churches. Pretty cool little group. They meet on a, it's a Thursday night thing. So I heard people talk about it before as I went for the first time. So good message. Yeah. Stuff. So. Okay. Well, um, last hey, look, week we, uh, hey, Billy, how you doing this morning? I'm good. You know me, I'm slow with uh, anything electronics and high tech, but it's uh, <laughs> I, I finally kind of figured it out. Um, no, we meet, uh, it's usually every Thursday night. We have small group meetings. They got one in, in Watson, one in Denham, Baton Rouge, got one out in uh, just, there's about seven different small meetings. And then once a month, we have a, a large meeting. And we uh, they get everybody yeah. together and have a meal, and then uh, so that's the way it goes with that. But we got two more meetings this year, and then they're gonna break until after the first of the year and start up again. But like I say, it's something to do every Thursday night. Good, good. Well, um, so you got on the call, okay? Um, did you see the little um, audio that I sent you? I know that was kind of late. I think I sent it to you about eight thirty or so last night. Yeah, well, it was about. 1031 I saw that it was there so I sit there and I listened okay. to it last night but I got it <laughs> okay we're well, good well you on top of it well um what we were trying to do is um th- this is a little teaching on repentance um going through Psalms 51 um and it's 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 eight weeks um and we did the first week last week and I can um send you a copy of that we got a little little recording of it um if you want to catch up with that um but Jeff, do you have any opening comments? Are you tied up with your, your little ones this morning? No, Paul told me about it. It's like, you know, because it's like, I was talking, last time I saw him was over there at Down Home Grill, and he was telling me how many people on the Zoom call that's Down Home Grill. It's like, man, it'd be like a reunion. So, yeah. You know, I was talking, <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting there and it's like, been, yeah. Billy, it's I mean, been it's a while like, since I heard your voice or seen you, man. It's, uh, it's good hearing from me. I mean, it's like, because I was telling all these people, it's like, man, yeah, I want to do that. Because first I didn't realize, like, a Zoom call, I'm like, well, where do they all meet? You know, and it's like somebody's a Zoom. It's like, oh, wow, wait, you sit at your house and do this. So it's like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. They're not going to they're not gonna serve uh, Dennis chocolate milk and us pancakes, though, at home. <laughs> yeah, Jeff's, Jeff's down in Bayou Pigeon and Paul's at his house. And uh, Shane might be at the fire station this morning. Um, but yeah, and I'm traveling from Gatlinburg, so this would never happen if I uh, wasn't doing it this way. But yeah, Billy, we started it with COVID, um, you know, and no one could get together, and a um, few of us were missing missing meeting together. So glad you could make it this morning. Um, Jeff, did you have any comments you wanted to share about last week? Um, you know, I, I think um, I guess it was me and me, you and Shane last week. So Paul and Billy wasn't on here. Did you? want to say any open thoughts about what you thought yeah no it was it it was it was a good introduction to uh to repentance and um you know if if you didn't get a chance to go watch that video um 
you know, go, go check it out because it uh, talks about faith and repentance and how the two are so closely together um, and how you can mistake uh, one as being a part of the other. But anyway, he, he kind of navigates through that. Um, and uh, it, I, I thought it was a good introduction before we kind of jumped into David this morning and his attitude towards repentance. So um, I, you know, it's, it's not a long video. It's like what, 20, 30 minutes, something like that. Um, yeah, and w what I like about it too is that just the questions after kind of helps jog your memory to see if uh, if anything's really sticking in your knower, <laughs> as, uh, as you guys call yeah. it. So, uh, no, I thought yeah. that was good. Last week we we kind of reviewed the questions together, and um, that was helpful. Okay, so what I, what I'm going to do now, um, and some of you may or may not be looking at at screen, um, but I'm I'm going to share my screen. And um, let's see, that should do it. Um, and then if you're not, let me see. I think that shared everything. So, all right. So I think y'all can see that. I guess you can um, if you're looking at it. Um, I'm looking for one more thing. So far. All right. Yeah, you got to jump right here. Okay. So, um, just to, like Jeff was saying, what we did last week, we just kind of jog our memory, is uh, I'm going to just throw these questions out there, and then we'll kind of start to work through the outline. Um, I, I will show you one thing real quick, if, if, you, can, um, if you can see this. And I'll, I'll send this out. I took a little time to um, move this over. I took a little time. To kind of put some biblical text to this, and um, the psalm of repentance actually didn't really, you know, we're of course we're looking at Psalms 51 as the primary part, um, but the but um, as Jeff said last week, we really just kind of defined how the relationship between repentance and faith at a technical level, and one of the things I thought was interesting is, um, you know, I think this is something we should always take serious, and and this this um, course addresses it a couple different ways but um we want to make sure that the people we do life together with whether it be our family or our church members that they are genuinely saved and um and you know and there's some there's some strong stuff saying that if you know with, with faith and repentance that if you have genuine faith there will be repentance um he will talk about the fear of god and holiness uh, and a couple other things as we go through this course that will really define and, and take a deeper, closer look at how you can know that you're in Christ or people that you care about are in Christ. And that's one of the things I like about this study. But he, in the first one, he really talked about the different difference between faith and re repentance. And the key word he used was involved, that, that anytime there's genuine faith, it involves repentance. And anytime there's genuine repentance, it involves faith, that they're kind of married to, to one another. And in this week, it's called the sin of David. It's the second of the of the eight lessons. And just to give you some text, it doesn't necessarily dive into Psalm 51, but it does dive into Second Samuel 11 and 12, which is the content where David stays home um, and doesn't go out into battle when it's time for him to go, and he stays back and lets his troops handle their business. And he winds up finding seeing a a, a woman that 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 lust burns within him and he can't let it go and, and it begins to take him and tangling further and further in sin where he commits two 
on non-intentional but unforgivable sins of murder and um, or in a sense of murder and um, adultery, and um, and so we'll we'll kind of look at that a little bit how that's unpacked. But that's in Second um, Samuel 11, and then when it gets into Second Samuel, 12, the first 15 verses is a pretty wise and classic uh, um, passage um, where where the prophet Nathan comes to David and gives him a um, hypothetical scenario. And he's just kind of, David, what do you think? This is a situation that happened and this man did this. And David, um, the way the story is told, gets really upset and said, a man like that shouldn't live and he should have to pay back fourfold and all this kind of stuff. And Nathan turns the tables on him and says, this man is you. And at that point, um, David has to respond to to being caught red-handed of, of, of of going down a path of sin and going way down a path of sin. And, um, and as we unpack this, I just want to off the front, just say one thing is I want you to remember, um, I don't agree with anybody ever throwing David on the bus. I hear people say that sometimes, um, you know, that David made bad choices in the back, back of his life and all that. But the promises made to David, you know, and just, you know, one of the most significant ones is that that the that the Messiah would come from the from David's lineage, and God was faithful to that. Um, we need to be careful where we don't focus too much on David's choices, and 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 forget who David was in the eyes of of God. And so, when we when we're talking about Abraham, Moses, and David, um, we should hold them up with the highest self esteem. And there will later, he will get to this, but I'll just say one thing to just drive my point of what I'm saying about David is um, I believe it's in this study that it talks about, but I've heard this before, what's called federal headship. But in Romans, when it talks about how when Adam fell, all of us fell into a sin nature. And sometimes we think, well, that's not fair because we would have, we would have done better than Adam. Um, and, and one of the, the, the best arguments about federal headship is the fact that if you are choosing an attorney to represent you in a legal case, do you think you would do a better job or do you think God would do a better job? And so we have to realize that, that God chose Adam for a specific purpose. He chose Abraham for a specific purpose, Moses, and so on with, um, with David. Um, so we need to keep that in perspective um, when we see, but we need to realize that even the best fall and we, we've fallen. And so the point of the text is, is how God deals with us when we do fall and not to revert back to a deal of, of that we could have made better choices than any of those, those amazing people. Um, so uh, let me see, get back to where we were at. Um, in this. Um, all right, so the four questions that were just to open. Um, Paul, were you able to listen to the audio or not really? Or? I read, I read, I didn't, when you sent it out, I didn't realize that I clicked on the second part. I, I thought it was one part. I read the, the little um, the literature wow. part you wow. sent out. But I'm going to go back and that one. Okay. Right. So I'm going to go back and listen yeah. to, the, to the, uh, the other one sometime today. Okay. 
All right, so so here we are. The four just kind of get you started questions is why is David considered one of the most important people in the entire Old Testament? What aspects of David's reign as king were fulfilled in the person of Christ? Um, and then in the light of his heinous, heinous sins that David committed, why is he still called a man after God's own heart? And how is that? And how is it that our hearts can become hardened by repetitious sin? And where is the exquisite pleasure to to the pain of repentance that Dr. Sproul speaks about with reference to David? What is God's ultimate purpose in convicting people of their sin? So all that will come out in the outline. But if anybody has any opening thoughts on any of those questions, you know, jump in if you if you want to. Anybody? Let's see. Not to move some things around. All right. All right. So let's get here and here. All right. All right. So on the first section here. In Psalms 51, can y'all see this, some of you? Yes, I can. But on, on, so on Psalms 51, it says, David is one of the most important people in the entire Old Testament in that he was the greatest and most prosperous of the Jewish kings. The Davidic prophecies were later fulfilled with another greater king would come in the person of Christ. Not only was he a warrior king who presided over the golden age of Israel, but David was also a poet, a musician, and a statesman. He was a man who really loved God and was known as a man after God's own heart. So it's all positive or four bullet, bullet points here. And then it goes into it says, David also egregiously broke the law of God by committing adultery with Bathsheba. And, the, and then conspiring to have her husband Uriah killed. God promised that the sword would not depart from David's house. David's son Absalom later rose up against him. So any any thoughts on that section as he identifies um, David? One of the, the ideas in the first part of the video he talked about and, and, and what he wanted to accomplish in this is he said that he loves to read, and anytime he gets interested in a book, he always likes to flip back to the, the back and to get some information about the author. So that that was the purpose of, as we're trying to get to the point of Psalms 51 and then unpack it, is that what we're looking at today, um, we're looking at the core reason of why David wrote all this. So. Anybody on that section, on that small review? Any thoughts on what is your first thoughts on um, on on David and Bathsheba and 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 that situation? How do you, how do you process that? Yeah, I think he was. Um, you know, you say he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. A king at battle should have been a should have been out, you know, with his men. And, um, 
I've, I've always heard it said, you know, if we, if we start to do the things that we weren't called or, or we're supposed to be doing, um, we, we could land in a bad situation or a situation of temptation like David did. Yeah. What you think, Paul? Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think it's probably a somewhat of a, uh, I think just sexual sins in general, sins of lust are probably pretty common in our world today. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, just some of the you know retreats and stuff I've been on and some of the different small groups, you know, it's a topic that seems to come up quite a bit with a lot of different men um, in different situations. So, um, some of it in the heart and some of it physically. So, um, I think it's a, it's a probably a good study for men because it's a, it, it's something that I think the devil uses. I think it's one of his, one of his, uh, you know, top weapons of his arsenal to, to bring, to bring, uh, believers and, and men in general down. So, um, It's kind of like in, when, when it talks about in James when, uh, you know, sin first comes as a thought in your mind and what you do with it then, you know, if you dwell upon it and meditate on it, keep thinking about it, usually it usually it just gets uh, harder and harder to deal with until you get to the point where you um, end up actually committing the sin. Um, but, yeah, he was – Probably should have been with his with his. I'm not sure how old uh, it was at this point, but um, he probably should have been with his men in battle, or at least in that area, and uh, sitting around, letting his mind wander, walking around on on the rooftops. Probably a good place to start to get in trouble. And he was probably isolated too. So you know, we talk you talk about you know isolation. You know that Satan's you know attacks you when you're when you're alone and you need the accountability and fellowship of others to sometimes help you get through that. So. Yeah. So so two things I saw you know just just looking at it directly at, as 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 um and I think we may talk about it in the next section a little bit more but just thinking about it as adultery and um and murder. Um, one thing that kind of captivated me a little bit as I was listening to the audio is um, the, w- the way the picture was painted by R.C. is that Uriah was an extremely faithful and loyal guy to David. Um, so, like, I, I kind of tried to compare it, and I don't think it's apples for apples, with David and Judas. Um, I mean, with Jesus and Judas. Um, because I don't really personally see where Scripture paints a picture um, that Jesus and Judas was real close. I mean, other than just speculating as the position as a disciple and what that would have would have it, um, involved, but but here you really see, a, you know, Uriah, Uriah is painted, to, in my opinion, through the text as the as a um, honorable man, and then when you think about the landscape of David and what he accomplished for Israel. Um, you just kind of see this picture, in my opinion, that um, that he was was very loyal to the king and loyal to Israel and trying to do all the right things. And and so as you read through the text there in Samuel 11, Second Samuel 11, you, you you see him, you know, him saying, "How can I go home and be with my wife 
when the army of God <laughs> is out there fighting for the call. And so you see a man of purpose that, that and, and you would have, you would think you would have seen David as a, as a hero. Um, you know, you would have think that to some degree he, he would have felt like my King David's not going to let me down. And, um, and then to see him even tested by weakening his senses, um, with, 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 with wine and getting him drunk is what the text specifically says. Um, you know, I mean, if it, it almost seems if he had known what David was doing, all of it, it would have broke his heart. Not my king. You know, he would have probably defended David. Um, there's no way my king would, would do that. And then um, David allowing himself to get, get to a position that he lusted after something at such a degree that he just couldn't let it go. That that it just it, it, it just and 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 even not valuing someone life that thought the world world of him. Um, and then you got God looking at all this. This is the man after God's heart that he blesses. And at one point he says, you know, if if that wasn't enough, all I gave you, all I did for you, I'd have given you more if you'd have just asked. Um, you know why are you doing that? So uh, I thought that that was kind of what really, really painted the picture for me. And as it gets into this next section, and we talked about this a little bit, is um, you know, Casting Crowns uses the term a slow fade. Um, you know, God's grace can overcome everything, and and surely all of the great things that David did was because God was so gracious to him, and sometimes. God's grace is so powerful to us that we can't fathom some of the heinous, sinful things that people do. Um, but we have to realize sometimes God's holiness, his grace, his glory is on us in such a way that he, he's, he's guiding us so strongly that, that it's super clear for us to, to draw distinctive lines and say, I can't go here and I can't go there because that would be um, unthinkable for me to sin against my God like that. But, but there's other stages in life where we, we sort of get numb to that and, and, and we, we uh, harden our heart or dull our senses to the point that, that we, we go off in another realm. And that's what you see David doing here, whether it's because he wasn't pursuing God intently and being out, out there with his, um, with his soldiers but when when David sets up the soreness if you read it closely and he puts your rod close to the line if you if you if you look at the details it's really kind of painting the picture that David was too good of a commander to ever put his men in that position um, because it is the way it explains it is they've been burned that way before where men got too close to the wall and some like old widow women or something threw rocks over and killed some of them and so it, it, it alludes to the point that they would have never done that. And so, you know, in this, this uh, murder of Uriah, David not only allows for Job to do something that it kind of speculates there would have never happened. Um, but, but anyway, so it, it, was, it was the ultimate picture of betrayal um, to, to Uzziah. Um, or I guess I'm saying that right. Um, you're right. My wife's correcting me over here. But um, so anyway, um, 
so just unpacking this second of the four parts here, it says it's so what David didn't do is instead of immediately turning and running from temptation and Joseph did, um, in Genesis 39, 17, 12, David allowed lust to burn in his heart and embraced his sin and acted upon it. Second Samuel 11, 1 through 5. And I would just state here that we wouldn't be like the, the Pharisee judge and the tax collector um, if, if we're in a good place with the Lord and that we would realize um, that that we can all find ourselves in a place where we don't we don't run like we should and we ought to plan for those weak moments ahead of time before we find ourselves in those places um the second bullet point of two says our nature as fallen people is to likewise justify our sin to our conscience by allowing small things as our hearts become hardened by repet repetitious sin so here's the, the first step that he says that he's warning us to in case we're, we're thinking about doing this because we're talking about how did he respond? When we look at Adam and Eve, when they got caught sinning, they were responded by hiding and covering up and all this kind of stuff. And one of the things we see with David is him responding different than that. Um, but he's pointing this process of how we can justify our sin um, and harden our hearts. And the third bullet point, instead of stopping such sinful behaviors, we repress our conscience, quiet it, and seek others who will comfort us as saying it is all right. And then he goes on to say, Callous, callousness then forms on our conscience, and eventually it becomes seared. Um, and so those are those are some pretty helpful little points to notice. How do we get a hard heart? How do we backslide? How do we fall away from the Lord? It is a slow fade, and it is some potential decisions that we have places of warning along the way, and we have to be aware of that. And then the last little two things he says is, David began to look back upon all he had done for God and Israel. Uh, through Nathan, God came with the word accompanied by the Spirit to give vent to David of his standard of righteousness and David's sin. Um, I'm not sure what he's saying here when he says, David began to look back upon all he had done of God of Israel. I know in the audio, he kind of said that David could have said, um, I was the only one brave enough to fight Goliath. Um, I, I didn't mess with Saul when you anointed me as king and he was trying to kill me. I waited to my due time. And so it seemed like the way RC in the video explained it is how one of the things that we can do is justify our sinful behaviors by beginning to look back at our resume with the Lord and say, look at what I've done for you. Can I get a break? You know, this, this kind of thing. So what do you think about those um, struggles with sin and, um, and, and what all that reveals about it? Yeah, I think, I think that's what he was talking about in the video is that, you know, David was looking back saying, um, look at all these things that I've done. You, you know, you can't, you know, let me have one, one desire, you know, that I've, that I want for myself. Um, and I don't know, um, necessarily if, if that was his attitude, but it, it could have been. And as far as, you know, as far as us, uh, you know, it almost gets into this works, works based mentality where, yeah, I've done so much good. I, I can be afforded to have a little, you know, a little sin here, a little sin there, and it shouldn't matter. And that's, 
you know, that, that is a, a wrong attitude. Um, you know, and even if that was David's intention, if that was his mindset, uh, the way that he repented afterwards, uh, surely corrects the wrong. Yeah. What you guys think, Paul, Billy? It's like, if you can justify it, you know, it's just, uh, to me, that's what I think justification is like some things I used to do. It's like, you know, I just, it's, it's okay. You know, just if I could justify it in my mind, even though, yeah, that's far from right. It's like, it's okay. So, and like you say, the more you justify it, the more right it becomes. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, well, it's no big deal now. So it's a, but then you learn it. Yeah, it is a big deal. So it's a need to stop that and then just uh, quit justifying. Yeah. Billy, I was thinking about you in the last month or so um, before Paul told me, but you remember, I think the term you came up with one time was cussing Christians. You remember that? Do what now? Do you remember that term we was talking one week and it was, and, and somebody said he was a cussing Christian or something like that? Huh. You don't remember that term? But I, oh, but, oh, but, but, oh, oh. Who's that? Oh. Now, what you, you had said that one time about someone. He's like, you know, he's like, I'm a Christian, but I just have a problem with cussing or something. And we said something about cussing Christians. But based yeah, okay, on I remember that now. Yeah. About, <laughs> oh, that was the guy that uh, I was at the shop and it's uh, and uh, I had Caleb on and and guy come in and cussing up a storm and, and, and he goes, oh, you're a Christian? And, uh, yeah. He goes, well, I'm a cussing Christian and uh. I tell you, he said, I asked him, says, so you go to church? And he goes, no. He says, uh, it's, it's not really the right time. I was like, well, when really is the right time? And uh, so the next weekend when uh, a bunch of us from uh, from church went out to go eat eat lunch after church, I sit there and walk in there, and there's him and his wife sitting there. I mean, they got the, got, he's got a suit on and a tie and everything. And I looked at him, and he says, yep, you're right. This is the time. So it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> um, but – but back, back to what you're saying, I mean, that's an example of justifying, you know, all yeah. these behaviors and how how you just suddenly, you, you slowly slide into that, you know. And I feel like I can talk think, myself Paul? into Yeah, I mean. You talk yourself you know, into what? Go ahead. Who? Billy? Go ahead, Paul. I, did, I just was going to say, yeah, justifying. We try to justify everything. Not sure that noise is. Can y'all hear me or I hear a bunch of feedback or something? Yeah. Um, I hear a bunch of static when you talk, Paul. Yeah, I'm not sure what it's I don't know if it's coming. Okay, I think it's all right now. That looks, it's better now. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, that started early on. I mean, justification's really just. Uh, playing the blame game kind of you know you try to say well it's because of this you made me this way or everybody else does it or that woman you put with me was what, what adam said and then eve said you know uh, the serpent tricked me it's always you know turning turning it from yourself and then uh you know, that's part of i guess when um jc talks about hardening your heart that in the, in the slow page you talk about casting crowns because you you try to tell yourself or, or blame other things enough, you're slowly going to, you know, in your spirit will, will try to start believing that. And you'll start believing that more than what the Holy Spirit is convicting you of. 
So yeah. Good. Well, um, this so we got through that one. Let's let's look at the start one. This is the about the bulk of the rest of it is um the pain of repentance. There is an exquisite pleasure to the pain when one realizes that repentance is born of the saving action of God the Holy Spirit. God does not convict people of sin in order to destroy them, but to heal them, restore them, and bring them to himself. David admitted that he had sinned against the Lord after a godly confrontation from the prophet Nathan. God had David on two capital crimes, adultery and murder by proxy. God would have been perfect just to simply slay David at that very moment, but he instead tempered his justice with mercy. David um, fasted, cried, and begged, but there was still consequences to his sin, and that God would strike the child of the union dead. Um, so, so here, if you look at that first one, there's an exquisite pleasure to pain when one realizes that repentance is born of the saving action of God, the, the Holy Spirit. God does not convict people of sin in order to destroy them, but to heal them and restore them and bring them to himself. Um, we've said before that, that we need to reclaim sometimes as believers that our repentance is not a, a bad word, but that it's a, it's a hopeful word. It's a helpful word. It's a, it's a restoring, healing word. It seems like the hardest part for us is, is to, to own up to the mistakes that we've, that we've made. Um, and, and that's really the biggest step for us. Uh, we get to find, you know, God's forgiveness and his mercy. Uh, one other thing that this section talks about that, you know, that people had different viewpoints on, um, you know, like Romans 9. But when you talk about justice and injustice are the two terms, but two forms of, of uh, there's just, you know, when you look at what he's looking at here, um, and Jeff usually describes it better than me, but, but, but God has two choices. He can give you justice or he can give you mercy. And sometimes from our perspective, um, we kind of live in fair, fairness world. Um, but what's fair is that we all deserve, you know, destruction. Um, just by the peccadillo sin that we have done, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what degree or measure, or we're, we're all doomed. And apart from the mercy of God, we have no hope. And so what we see as an example of David is, um, is and, and we see it in this um, psalm, is that, that God decided to show mercy. Um, so that, that was what, one, two, three, four, this, I guess I'm counting, one, two, three, four, this fifth bullet point on section three, it says, God would have been perfectly just to simply slay David at the very moment, but he instead tempered his justice with mercy. So you think about all that God did for David, um, which which in a lot of ways can, can be compared as maybe more than, than he's done for us when we're trying to maybe use comparison. And then maybe we haven't done as bad as he did. Maybe we didn't think as little of, um, of a person to, to, to murder him so you could have your wife and cover up your sin of getting her pregnant. Um, um, so here we see a guy that, that reached towering highs and, 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 and deep, deep lows. But 
but when when God dealt with him, he decides to show him mercy and not justice. And we are products of mercy through the gospel. Um, to some degree or another, God has been as kind to us for just as deep and dark of sins as this of David. So we ought to be careful when we look at this text. Um, I think it was at the first one or this one. It, it might be next week. But, uh, but he gives that idea that tax collector or, or the, um, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Um, and I think I pulled it up somewhere, but I don't have it in my mind right now. I think it's Luke 18. I think it's where it is. And it, um, but, he, but, he, but he says, I'm glad I'm not like this tax collector. And he goes on to explain how the tax collector, because he had a contrite heart, he walked away with forgiveness. And so when we look at the story of David, we see great highs that we can rejoice with. We see great lows that we can um, be so con deeply concerned about. But but we should we should see ourselves in that. That as God is showing um, new covenant mercy is what I would call it, because we said before is that under the old covenant there was no covering or atonement for this type of sin because it was intentional. It was just for um, unintentional sin. And so what David had done was so grievous, it exceeded. There was nothing he could go to the priest and ask him to do for him. And so he went straight to the Lord on this. And, and we'll see that more as we unpack the psalm, that the only one that can help us is God. And um, so anyway, anything on those points you guys want to highlight? I'm also just read some things that um, talks about if, if, you know, he talks about sin brings you to such a terrible places that you may not realize early on for quick pleasure or whatever. But uh, I've read some um, commentaries that talk about that if this would have gotten out, um, even though David was king by, by the law of Israel, uh, he could have been put to death and at the very least the you know the kingdom could have you know, been in total chaos because um uriah would take his you know troops that were loyal to him and and um plus some of the other ones that the, you know the king did this while we were all fighting the battle for you know for, for israel and he's sitting at home um that actually that that david could have uh you know just from the, the, the law lost his life whether he was king or not and then Bathsheba probably would have also um, been stoned to death. Um, and like I say, even at the at the very least, the um, you know the kingdom of Israel probably would have been in total chaos, and you know civil war and stuff would have broken out. So it was like a, a huge deal. It was it was on David's mind as well, uh, you know, after the fact that he was dealing with too, you know. So. I was thinking, you know, that's why he, when he tried to bring Uriah there, he's thinking, well, the easiest way to cover is bring Uriah home and get him drunk and he'll play with his wife and the child that she has. They'll think it's his child and he'll think it's his child and everybody else will and they'll be all covered up, you know. But, you know, the, you know, Uriah was such a faithful, a faithful, uh, you know, warrior and, and Israelite that, that, and then probably God probably didn't allow that to happen either. So. There's a lot to a lot to think yeah. about this whole and all this this whole story. Yeah, what you think, Billy or Jeff? Yeah, I like that uh yeah. that commentary, Paul. I thought that was um, 
you know, just just to kind of stretch your mind a little bit and think think more outside of the what ifs and and the you know the things that could have happened. Um, but I do like I do like the analogy we talked about earlier of just the callousness that sin can cause, and that repentance isn't a bad thing. <clears throat> that uh, it starts off with a blister, and you're more aware to it, but as you continue in it, your heart just gets hardened and hardened. And uh, that wasn't that wasn't the case here with David. It's, um, you know, when he brought the word of God and the spirit of God, uh, you know, to convict him of his sin, uh, his attitude was just much, much different. And, and praise the Lord for that, because that's not something we can muster up on our own. We need the Lord to give us a, a heart of repentance. And uh, so, you know, sometimes, you um, you know, in, in prayer, we ask for that, Lord, give me a repenting heart, Lord, give me, give me, um, the faith to repent. And so, uh, thought, thought that was a good response. What do you think, Billy? Which is a little bit, it's, it's easy to do, and then it just keeps getting easier and easier. And, you know, I think to a point where it's just like it becomes a normal. It's like, okay, well, you know, I, used to I thought it was just kind of shady or bad or whatever but then it's like you know you do it enough and it's like well yeah it's just a normal life now and my brother had a saying it says every stupid thing i ever did seemed like a good idea at the time and it's at the time because i know i've been through that you know enough times in my life and it's like yeah you know at the time it did seem like a really good idea but no it was not so and like i say then it's it's like you talk about the thirty thousand feet view you know it's like when, when you're doing it right up front, it's like you don't really notice it. But then all of a sudden, if you, if you step back and look at what's been going on, it's like, oh, wow, man. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Uh, it's a mute there. But uh, it's the last little bit, it just um, says David's response. And I, and I think, you know, you're hitting on that. Uh, you know, we see the total wrong response to running and hiding from the Lord when they found themselves naked and shame with Adam. And it seems like from what we just described from, from um, Scripture, um, the fourfold reminds me of Zacchaeus, um, you know, in the, in the New Testament. Um, I always love the way Zacchaeus responded to Jesus' um, his message. Um, and I think David, I think... It, it, he, he'd become a knothead and he'd Nathan to speak a harsh word to him and, and kind of, you know, I, I don't know if it was trickery, but it, it got to the point in such a, such a vivid way. And I, I think David, when he, when, when he, re, when Nathan revealed that he was the one that, that had violated this lamb, the only lamb that this precious man had, I think David said, you know, I have, I've, I've slipped and I went way too far. And I think he came running back to to to, to God um, with all all that all that was within him. Um, and but the, this response, it says Dave response, you know, four one. It says David's response, like a godly man to a confrontation of the prophet, accepts the consequences from God. After the child's death, David changes his clothes, anoints himself with oil, and worships God and repentance. And so. There, there's so some intelligence or some mental mental thinking there with David that 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 God had said he was going to not let the, the child live, um, but but he said but David fasted he stood it 
you know, David stood in the gap for that child, and when and and all his all his help thought that once he found out the child was dead, that he wouldn't be able to bear it. Um, but but once it was done, and I forget exactly how it, it says it in the text. I I take a minute to flip over to it, but he says, um, he says the child will not come back to me, but I will go to him. And um, and so I um, just love the absoluteness that he saw and the clarity there. He said, as long as it's in the balance, I'm going to pray with everything I got in me. But once God has decided on the matter, I'm going to accept the, the decision. And, and he even he believed in the resurrection, even even in that time, you know, when, when Jesus deals with the Sadducees, you have a group of people that don't believe in the resurrection and almost makes fun of that. But but King David there shows that that he believes in some, has some theology or doctrine about the resurrection because he, he, he boldly believes that he will go and he will see his son again. It's just not going to be in this life. Um, so let's, let me see if I can get to this other screen real quick and we'll hit a few just questions and see if we learned anything. And uh, let's see. All right. Is, it is known, for, is is it is known for certain that David was the author of Psalm 51. What y'all think? True or false? Go with truth. Anybody anti-truth? Truth. All right. All right. Going with truth. It says false. That says it was false. It says David is. All right. Or did I read it wrong? It is not known for certain. Okay, so I guess I answered that wrong. But it says David is known, um, is the known author of Psalm 51, which was written after Nathan confronted him about the adultery with Bathsheba. So the, the question was kind of tricky for me there. But uh, I this, the next one is who rose up against David in fulfillment of God's promise that because of his sin, the sword would not depart from David's house. Um Absalom, Nathan, Saul, or Uriah? Absalom. That's Absalom. All right. All right. Survey says David's own son Absalom rose against up against him after declaring himself the king of Israel and Judah. Absalom planned an attack upon his father David and fled in fear. Absalom was later killed and David was greatly bereaved. God had David on which of two capital crimes? Um, adultery and blasphemy, adultery and idolatry, adultery and murder by proxy, or adultery and theft. Adultery and murder by proxy. All right. Also, something that's interesting is is Nathan prophesies that his that David's wives will be you know, violated by people right. who know Absalom. Absalom actually sets up on the roof of the palace yeah. and uh. Or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, he had to pay. Was, has all his wives up there with him, you know, all his concubines and wives. Yeah. So, which of the following methods did Nathan use to communicate to David about God's standard of righteousness and David's sin? The law, a parable, sermon, or the Ten Commandments? Parable. All right. Yeah, that was a parable in eighth case. Yeah. And then if sin is, I think this is the last one, two more. If, if sin is not dealt with immediately, calluses from our conscience and eventually the conscience becomes which of the following? 
departed, non-existent, seared, or weakened. Go hardened or, or seared. Hardened, but it's probably weakened too. But hardened is probably the main okay. one. So weakened, hardened, and then eventually it becomes seared. So if sin is not dealt with immediately, calluses form on our conscience, and eventually the conscience becomes which of the fall? Which one are we going to go with? Hardened? Hardened. Or seared? Hardened. Or weak? Hardened? I say I hardened. Think, I would think that seared would mean that you're very aware, very aware oh, of, yeah. of the sin. So, so it's the so saying seared is the right when it says this. If, if sin is not dealt with immediately, eventually the conscience becomes seared. Instead of immediately turning and running as Joseph did, David allowed lust to burn in his heart and embraces sin and acted upon it. Our nature as fallen people is likewise justified our sin um, to our conscience by allowing small things as our hearts become hardened by repetitive sin. So, you know, it's going to get weakened, hardened, and seared. So, you know, seared would be the final, final state of there. So, upon the death of the baby, how did David respond to the consequence of the sin? He anointed his son Absalom as king. He apologized to Bathsheba. He justified his actions, or he responded like a godly man. And so, what do we say? This last one? D. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, good. Uh, so, next week, we will start to unpack the um, first part of, of Psalms. I believe it shows the first three verses, verses one through three, and it's going to be titled Tender Mercies. Um, I, I can, if, if, if Billy or Paul, if y'all have any problems connecting to any of that, just let me know and we'll get you squared away. Um, but yeah, so he'll start from this point on um, unpacking um, Psalms, you know, there. He, he's going to leave. It's 19, it's 19 verses, so he's going to leave um, the last um, two, because it's you'll, you'll see why he leaves them. He just kind of talks about something a little random, but he will he will deal with verses 1 through 17 over the next, um, um, from weeks, th from lesson 3 to 7, and then he'll jump into um, Psalms 32 as a, as a, as a, as a um, pre kind of a little bit um, getting from repentance to forgiveness um, and, and that point. So hope you got something out of this this morning. Um, the next next two or three are really going to kind of dive in a little deeper, um, you know, as, as it works through the psalm. So um, any final thoughts? I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to next Sunday. We're good. We're good. And like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll send out some links to you um, so you can listen a little bit ahead of time this time. Um, Jeff, Paul, any final thoughts? Good. And my main takeaway on this one was just the, the, uh, the repenting heart of David and what his attitude was like right after that he went and worshiped the Lord. Uh, when he got word of his son and uh, you know that's that's that can be difficult for us to do but if if we're walking in the spirit 
and we know that we're guilty of sin and, and the Lord's gifted us with repentance. That's the attitude we should have. And so um, I thought that was really good to look back at. And, and I'll bring up, I guess it's Esau there, and I hope I'm not taking this out of context, but it's always been something I've thought about. But I believe the way the scripture says it, I believe the way the scripture says it about Esau is that that he he sought repentance with tears. And I always, if, if that's if I'm saying that true, um, I always thought, man, what a terrible place to be to uh, to, to desperately seek and not find that. And 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 it's this text here is showing that God showed mercy. To David, because David did seek, you know, with tears and fasting, um, but we just never want to take for granted um, when we cry out to the Lord and He hears our prayers. Um, that's that's one of the greatest treasures we can ever find in this life, or even in the life to come. That He would He would think enough to hear our prayers and to show mercy, you know, upon us, and uh, and so yeah. I'll leave with that. Um, Jeff, are you in a place where you could um, close this out in prayer? Yeah, sorry, I was just breaking up a little fight. <laughs> um, yeah, I can close this real quick. Okay. <clears throat> Father, we, uh, we thank you for this group of men, Lord. We thank you for the word that you brought, Lord. We thank you for the spirit that you've given us, Lord. I pray for each of these men, including myself, Father, that when sin, uh, when the temptation of sin becomes greater than walking in obedience with you, Lord, that you grant us with hearts of repentance, that you bring it through your spirit and your word, Lord, and give us the attitude of David, Father, one that is sorry from our, from our sin, that we turn from our sin, Lord, and then we, we continue uh, the march down that, that narrow path, Lord, and we, we seek to worship you. Father, please bless this study next week as we uh, prepare for the third lesson. Lord, that you give us um, hearts of understanding, that we can come together and sharpen each other next week. And I pray, Lord, that you do all of these things so that Jesus Christ might be glorified in our lives. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So did everybody get a little extra rest? <laughs> Been no. nice. really. Nobody told oh, my really. kids about the time change. They were up at six instead of seven. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> right, they man. have a biological. They just wake up when the sun's up. Y'all have a good week. I gotta, I gotta skip out. Okay. See you next week. Thank you, right. Billy, for joining us. Bye, guys. Enjoyed it.